0: A soldier of the cross of Jesus. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. You have to know the principle behind John 3.16. That's the word. Christ is enough. Christ is the enough. Thing is, when you read the Bible, when you understand how beautiful the presence of God is, you can't take it for granted. The Bible says that you must eat of this word. It's only the precious blood of Jesus Christ that has power. Christ is enough. Christ it's only the is precious enough. blood of Jesus Christ that has power. Hello, this is Pastor Caleb Suko. Thank you for tuning in into Calvary with Caleb Suko. Please prepare your hearts as we listen to this week's sermon. Okay, good morning. I greet you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, praise and worship team. You guys did a wonderful job. So we're continuing on our series on James. And I know you have your Bible, so let's turn to James. And we're going to take it off from where we left off. James chapter 3. chapter 3, I'm going to start at verse 13. Everybody there? James chapter 3, verse 13. I've entitled my sermon, Are You a Christian? Are You a Christian? You see, in our trials, and you know the book of James is all about trials, about how we approach our trials. In our trials, it's important to know how we walk how we walk as a Christian, how we walk as believers, how we walk as disciples in our trials. It's important how we walk, how we conduct ourselves. Trials is not a license for us to stop being a Christian. Because we know we will go through trials. It's not if, it's we will, when you go through trials. So trials is not a license for us to stop being a Christian. I know James Bond has a license to kill. But we don't have a license to stop being a Christian, especially when we go through trials and we are tested. There's not now an avenue to forget your salvation and forget the Lord and everything that the Lord has done for you. It's good to have thanksgiving services and say, thus far the Lord has brought us. But when we are being tested, we are going through our trials, then we must hold on to the Lord even more. That's when the rubber meets the road. Now you're showing your true colors. You know? Have you ever heard someone swear and say, oh, I do not know they swear. They showed you they true colors. <laughs> when did that happen? And they were angry. <laughs> and they were being tested. <laughs> he swears. <laughs> yeah. So when we go through these things, it's not a license for us to forget the fact that we are Christian. Even more, we have to hold on to Christ. Alright? A double a double-minded man is unstable. Unstable in all his ways. Today is hot, tomorrow is cold. Today I'm a Christian. Tomorrow I don't know what I am. Today I'll follow the Lord. Tomorrow I'll see I'll follow my own ways. He's unstable. He's double-minded. He hasn't had a singular thought that I'm following Christ. That's what it means. I haven't made my mind up, I'm following Christ. This is how I think, this is the direction I go. I'm double-minded, double-minded. Must I go to church, must I not go to church? It's a bit cold today, should I go to church? Should I not go to church? I don't know. Does the weather make any difference? i says no. Rain, snow, whatever the case is, hot, cold, we go to church. Today it's cold. We go to church when the season changes it's going to be hot now must we not go to church because it's hot all that makes no difference a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways right but a man that is rooted in christ a man that is rooted in christ will flourish through his trials because we are anchored Jesus Christ is our hope, like a ship that drops anchor, no matter how big the waves may be, how bad that storm may be, when that ship drops anchor, nothing can move that ship. And We are anchored in Christ, nothing can move us, we are in him, no matter what may come, we are rooted in Christ, that even when we go through some trials, and we will, we are anchored in him, we hold on to him like we sang today, we hold on to Jesus. No matter what may come, that won't waver us, but we are anchored in him, we are rooted in him. What as Psalms tells us, what a man planted by the sea, or planted by the river, the tree planted by the river, will flourish, will flourish. You see, what does flourishing mean there in that context? That you won't lose the joy of your salvation. You won't pull your face and say, I don't know why I'm a Christian. If I wasn't a Christian, I'll show that person. I have to bite my tongue. I can't say anything. But it shouldn't be like that because in that trial, Christ is with you. In all of that, Christ is with us. Isn't his promise true? I will not leave you or forsake you. Did he not promise us the Holy Spirit and give us the Holy Spirit? We have the Holy Spirit right We have the Holy Spirit his promises are true that even no matter what we may go through we have the comfort of the Holy Spirit that this trial we are not alone in it right so let's look at James chapter 3 verse 13 and we're going to do 13 all the way to 18 so James chapter 3 James over here is asking a question so he says it like this who is wise and understanding among you in other words who's wise here is is there a wise man do you have a wise man here who's clever anybody wise who is wise and understanding among you let him show by his good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom now, another way of reading the scripture you can start off with the answer, and then when you read the question, it makes sense. You can say it like this: Let him show by his good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom, who is wise and among and uh, who is wise and, and and understanding among you. So the answer there is who's wise and has understanding, and he answers it. That person that's wise and has understanding, let him show by his good conduct. That his works are done in the meekness of wisdom in the meekness of wisdom because when we go through trials sometimes you know we want to do something just to get up on somebody <laughs> because we'd want to do something good but we have bad intentions for doing that good Isn't that person did us wrong. We know now we must do good. But we want to do good to get back at that person. That's what he's pointing at, you. Yeah? Let your wisdom now, your good works, be done in meekness. I'm not doing my good works now so to irritate you. Do my good works unto the Lord. It's no selfish ambition. You're just doing it unto the Lord. You may have done something bad to me. I'm not now gonna be cynical and say, you know, I just wanna bless you. I saw this quote, it reminded me of you. Here's the quote. Okay, you did something good, but what were your intentions? That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Who? Who? Let him show by his good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Don't be a show-off man. Don't be a show-off. You can do something, do it good unto the Lord. Don't show off about this thing. Verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, right? Do not boast and lie against the truth. 13 leads into 14. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, your motive, self-seeking, I only want to promote myself, selfish ambition. Do not boast and lie against the truth. Don't do that. You know how you put this in other words? Don't be an opportunist. You saw an opportunity to promote yourself. Don't do that. Don't be an opportunist. Because someone can say, hey listen, I see a need here in this church. I'm gonna come quickly sort it out, but make sure you mention my name. That for example, let's say they buy us new equipment or whatever, and now they expect us to mention their name. That is self-seeking. Where's your good works? Where's the meekness and wisdom? Do it. So what if we mention your name or don't mention your name? You're doing it unto the Lord. There's no selfish ambition. Will the Lord not bless you if I don't mention your name? Were you not doing it unto the Lord? Maybe you bought us a new guitar or whatever the case is. Do we have to say, so and so bought this guitar? If we don't ever do it, so what? You did it unto the Lord. The Lord knows. The Lord saw your heart. What if I honestly forget to mention so-and-so bought the guitar? Not to say I don't want to do it, but if I honestly, I just forget. I you get angry? Is the person get angry now? What, did they take the guitar back, go home? <laughs> we can't have selfish ambition, right? Even when we are going through these trials, it's not there to promote our self. We have to lift up the name of Jesus. Amen. I have to lift up the name of Jesus. Don't be an opportunist. Don't be an opportunist. 15. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil there, every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace, amen. May God bless the reading of his word. I have three points I want to talk to us about today. Point number one, from above. Point number two, from below. And point number three, standing on the word. Amen. Point number one, from above. Point number two, from below. Point number three, standing on the word. Let's go into it. Point number one from verse 17. Let me read it to you again. From verse 17 it says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. If it's from above, it must be pure. First pure, then peaceable, because he's the prince of peace. Gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, would our partiality And without hypocrisy that wisdom that comes from above where does it come from Christ comes from Christ specifically says from above that wisdom comes from above now we know the book of James is talking about going through trials this whole thing is about how you handle and conduct yourself when you go through trials right now he's saying you have wisdom Is that wisdom how you handle and go through your trials from above, or are you that person that's self-seeking? That's what he's really talking about here. Is that wisdom that you have from above, how you conduct yourself, how you walk? We're all struggling with petrol price. Uh, They want to reduce it now, right? Good, great, but everybody's complaining about petrol price. How do we handle this now? Just make an example, how do we handle this? Wisdom must first come from above. It must be pure, right? First thing we must say, but I know God is my provider. First thing, but I know God is my provider. He's been faithful all this time. If he, if, if by, by somehow he'll make a way. If, if money doesn't come more into my bank account, then the price of petrol must drop. But one one way or another, he's my provider. Something must happen. This wisdom must come from above. First and foremost, that's our departure point, how we address things. When we go through trials, when we have agitations in our life, we must take a biblical perspective. Right? Petrol price is high for everybody. It's higher overseas as well. Right? But how do we as Christians now approach this? We can't take a secular view on it. We're calling ourselves Christians. We are disciples in the word. We have to take a biblical view on it. What does the word say about this? That he is our provider. He is our provider. That we hold on to him. That this thing must first come from him. And see, when we do that, when we have this wisdom that comes from above, then it's easy to glorify Christ. Because it's from above. Our departure point is... Taking that of Christ. You see, Christ must be our heartbeat in no matter what. James talks about trials. Let's talk about it. But in no matter what situation, in the valley down or the mountain high, whatever we do it must be to glorify Christ. That must be our heartbeat. You can say, okay, things are a little bit tight, I'm gonna glorify Christ when I'm down in the in the valley. Okay, when things are good, are you gonna forget Christ? Are we now gonna wag our tail? So I did it my way like uh, Frank Sinatra. You only need Christ when you're down and out. What about showing meekness, humility now that I have it? I must glorify Christ with it. So this thing must be, our worldview must be to glorify Christ. That must be our heartbeat. Wisdom that comes from Christ to glorify Christ. Dying to self daily. Dying to self daily. See, it must be first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits. Without partiality, we spoke about this, without hypocrisy. See, scripture must complement itself. If we look at this, what it's saying Yeah, look, it says good fruits. Good fruits, what other scripture we can talk about? Good fruits. The fruit of the spirit. Now how important it is to have the fruit of the spirit when you go through your trials? To have patience, to have discipline, to have long suffering, to have tenderness, gentleness, meekness. Doesn't the outcome and doesn't it, when you go through it, helps you? because you have the right approach, you're keeping a positive man mindset, but if you take a fleshly way of looking at it, this petrol price goes up every month, every month, every month, you're just gonna end up getting negative. You're gonna become a bad person. And then it's gonna affect you as a person, it's gonna affect your, your life at home, it's gonna affect you how productive you are at church with your, with, with your relationship to Christ, it's gonna affect you at work. But our heartbeat must be towards Christ. Our heartbeat must be towards Christ. You see, we can't be self-seeking. When this wisdom that we have is from above, we are not self-seeking. I'm not trying to promote myself here. Petal price is fine for everybody. I'm not the one saying, yeah, but I can afford it. No, there's no self-seeking in this. How does that, how is me saying, I can do something you can't gonna make me a better person? How does that glorify Christ? I'll give you an example, right? So at home we have a small aquarium. I like fish, like tanks, all of that, right? So I I don't have space for a big tank, although I'd like one, there's just no space for a big tank, right? So if you make do with a small tank. Someone came home one day and they saw this tank. And it's a nice tank, and you know, I really put my, my heart into it, right? We've got live plants, and you know, it looks good. Not the fake plants, you know, like the real stuff, you know, this thing looks good. Oops. Instead of just paying a compliment and said, hey, this tank looks good. They told me, no, so-and-so has a bigger tank, it looks even better. <laughs> Would it kill you just to say your tank looks good? <laughs> so and so has a bigger tank he's got more plants he's got this and it's big big fish and everything how does that make you a better person now all, all you gotta say is hey nice tank finish that's all i can see you put put yourself into this you put your heart you put your time into it that's all you know vice versa say if i did that to somebody what is that going to do now me diminishing your talents doesn't make me good. I mean Charlie sings well. I can say I know someone that can sing better. <laughs> what does that do now? How does that help? Does that gonna make him a better singer? Oh, but he sings well. Acknowledge the guy, give him pay him a compliment. That's what it's saying. Be peaceable. Don't be self-seeking. You got something. That may be better than someone, but acknowledge what that person has. Yes. That's all. It's not, there's no competition. There's no competition. You got, I don't know what, you got one car, must you now have two, somebody else must have two cars. What, what is it? Is that, is that elevating Christ? And we have to talk amongst ourselves because it's the Christians that do it. We can't go point fingers outside the church. We have to talk about ourselves. I mean, we can visit all of your houses and you say this, this, this. What does it mean? What does it mean? It means nothing. You, you can say your son is taller than me. What does that mean? <laughs> it means nothing. Right? So don't, don't be that person that's self-seeking. Someone does something good, hey, say, give the guy a tap in the back. You did good. man. You know, I can see you put thought into this. You gave your effort. Well, well done. Telling you I'm better than you is not going to do anything. That's what it says. That's what it says, Especially especially when we go through trials. Especially when we go through trials because you're already frustrated. Don't frustrate the situation more. Don't make situations worse. Make things better. Be Be a peacemaker. Right? You cannot be an opportunist with wisdom that comes from above. If you really have wisdom that comes from above, if your worldview is biblical, if you're taking a biblical worldview on anything, especially in your trials, there's no room for you to be an opportunist. You can't see an opportunity and say, I'm going to exploit this. Right? Like when Noah, Noah, his two sons, he saw the sons, he saw the father's weakness. They said, I see the weakness, but we're going to cover the weakness. We saw it, but we'll cover the weakness. The one son also said, I saw it, but I'm going to exploit it. But both saw it. Both parties saw it. One said, no, we'll cover it. The other said, no, I'm going to exploit it. Right? That is self-seeking. We cannot be self-seeking. Now, let's go to point two from verse 15. Let me read it from verse 15. It says, this wisdom does not descend from above. So I was making it very clear. This wisdom does not descend from above. If it's not from above, it's from beneath or below, right? This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Earthly. Sensual and demonic, right? So let me put it to you like this. If wisdom from above is from Christ, then wisdom from below must be from Satan. Because of that word, demonic. It's earthly, it's sensual, it's demonic, right? So if wisdom from above is from Christ, and it's telling you here, it does not come from above. It can only come from below. This wisdom that people have is demonic, it's sensual, it's earthly. This has come from their father, Satan. This has come from the God of the world, of this world. This is a spiritual thing. You're either with Christ or you're not. To say that you're not, not with Christ doesn't mean you're floating around in media. That literally means you are with Satan. That's what it means. You either would Christ or you would Satan. That's what it is. So if wisdom is coming from Christ, it's good. And if a person does not have wisdom from Christ, then they do have wisdom from Satan. Now, now you look at this type of person. Now you look at this type of person. And I have no issue speaking to the world. Christ, uh, Paul said that. First, we have to speak to the church. Right? Because amongst us, we have, in our churches, in the church, we have Christians that have wisdom from above, and I applaud you for that. But even with our churches, in church, we have Christians that have wisdom from below, right? My first statement on that, you can't be half pregnant. You can't be with Christ and with Satan. You can't be with the word and in the world can't be in two places at once. You can't be half pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. Right? You're either with Christ or you're not with Christ. Right? The lukewarm, you know that? In the book of Revelation. Lukewarm gets spewed out. Right? The word. The word. Now listen. Wisdom that comes from Satan. This wisdom comes from Satan. If wisdom is coming from Christ is to glorify Christ, then wisdom that comes from Satan, what does it do? It glorifies Satan. This wisdom cannot, cannot bring glory to Christ because it's not from Christ. It's earthly, it's sensual, it's demonic. Right? It's how we conduct ourselves. Even though you have the label of a Christian, how you conduct yourself, are you bringing glory to Christ by bringing glory to Satan. That's what he's saying. Because we just can't do our Christianity based on our feelings and how I feel. It's gotta be more than that. We can't do Christianity based on subjectivity. Christianity is based on objectivity, that we are rooted, that we are anchored. This thing won't change. Our Christianity won't change. The word won't change. The word won't change. You see, when we spoke about the wisdom that comes from above, we spoke about the fruit of the spirit. But in the same line, if wisdom is coming from Satan, then now this is the lust of the flesh. This is the lust of the flesh because it's earthly, it's sensual, it's demonic. This is self-seeking. This is self-seeking. This from this this yeah, this wisdom here yeah, from below promotes being an opportunist, this wisdom promotes being an opportunist, because I see the problem, just like Noah's two sons, three sons, two saw the problem, and said, no, we're going to sort this thing out, we'll cover our father, we won't be an opportunist, the other boy, he also saw the problem, said, no, I see the opportunity, I'm going to exploit my father. but both are his sons, both parties are his sons. Like I said, I'm only talking about the church. I've got no business talking about outside. We don't expect anything good from outside. They don't have the Holy Spirit. But if we are saying we have the Holy Spirit, then how should we be conducting our lives? Can't be in two places at once. This is talking now about character. And if I know anything, I'll tell you this. Character comes before ministry. My ministry, your ministry. Character comes before ministry. You may know theology like the back of your hand, and that's good, all of us call called to be theologians. But if you don't have character, that's empty words. Just empty words. Anybody can preach theology then. That was the first verse that we read. Let your wisdom be done in meekness and your good conduct. Anybody then can preach theology because you're not backing it up with your character. If you're such a great theologian, you'll conduct yourself the right way, am I right? You can't be such a great theologian and be found drinking, smoking, and everything else, using all all sorts of fancy language. Your conduct must be appropriate to what you're saying. Am I right? That's what he's talking about, especially now when we go through trials, especially because at the opening when we started James, we said we will go through trials. But if, and he's building on that, when you go through your trials, how you conduct yourself now, this wisdom must come from above, this wisdom can't come from below, when you're going through your trials, how you approach this thing, it has to be done correctly, right? Right? Wisdom from Satan promotes being an opportunist. That means this person talks the talk, but they can't walk the walk. They know the Christian language. They know the Christian lingo. They know all the catchphrases and all of these things. They can talk the talk. Right? At face value. But when you scratch beneath the surface, they can't walk the walk. Right? It's like drawing a picture. An artist can draw a picture. Say the Mona Lisa, for example. That's the authentic picture. Somebody can come and copy that. <laughs> It'll exactly the same, but it's not. <laughs> you scratch beneath the surface. You see this thing is done in 2022. <laughs> that one was done centuries ago. Right? That's what he's talking about. What's inside you, man? What's inside you? What, is really, what, what makes you tick? It's good to say, Vincent, you know, don't get, don't get fooled by the suit and all of that. That's only face value. But when the suit is gone and all of that stuff, are you really a Christian? People still know that you are a Christian. How you conduct yourself. How you conduct your life. How you conduct yourself at work. Conduct yourself in business when you're going through something. And people, maybe you, 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 you know, at work, people may have rubbed you the wrong way to test you because they know you're a Christian. They want to see how this Christian is going to behave you still have to hold on to the truth, right? Point number three, standing on the word, standing on the word, standing on the word. Like I said, we can't be half pregnant. We can't be half pregnant. The word sets the tone for our lives in every area. The word sets the tone for our lives in every area, right? Because we are standing on the word. We are standing on the word. We are not half Christians. Do I have everybody's attention? Should I wait? Should God wait? Let Christ wait. Are we happy? Let Christ wait in his house. case we can't be half Christians point in case we can't be half Christians the word is prophetic we can't be half Christians in everything we do we must glorify Christ we are standing on the word the word sets the tone for our lives in every area we are not half Christians We are either with Christ or we are not with Christ no matter what we do right we have to glorify Christ right we have to glorify Christ in all areas all decisions we glorify Christ Christianity is Christ-centered Christianity will always be Christ centered Christianity has nothing to do with man Christianity is Christ centered. You see, there's this thing that's, you'll see it in other ministries and stuff like that, where it talks about what Christ can do for you. Come to Christ, this, this, and everything else. That there is not Christ centered Christianity. That is self centered. It's on what Christ can do for you. But Christianity that is Christ centered is what you do for Christ. Right? Yes, we know Christ will bless us, but that's all secondary. Even if he doesn't bless us, so what? Let's take my hyperbole, right? Let's be objective in our thinking, right? Even if he doesn't bless us, so what? Will it change what he has done for us? Will it change our salvation? Will it change anything? Are we only here because we want Christ to bless us? But the ultimate blessing is salvation. We have salvation, therefore we are blessed. We know we're secure, we know if we close our eyes here, we know where we're going. That is a blessing, that. Because those on the outside don't have that. They try to prolong their lives. Even if you're doing under under the table things. Pay doctors and hospitals so their names can come up, so they can go for surgery. Instead of being on the waiting list, tomorrow you'll get the surgery done because they want to prolong life. But we know where we are. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We have that hope. We are anchored in it. I mean, I don't want to sound callous or anything, but I still got my 30, 40 years to love. I look at people that close their eyes, I get a little bit jealous. I still got 40 years to see my maker. But you're there now with him. We can't, we don't be afraid of death. That is a friend we are longing to wait, longing to meet because he has conquered death held in the grave. No one's afraid of death, no one's afraid of dying. I look forward to that day. One day I'm gonna die, you too. But I look forward to dying not because I'm antisocial or I don't have, I'm depressed, anything like that. I love the Lord. I want to see the Lord. He's done so much for me. I want to see him face to face. I can't wait to die. Really, when I see people that are old and have passed on, a small part of me is jealous. They're there before me. I still got my life to love and I thank the Lord for that. But I can't wait till I'm an old man and know my days are out. I'm going to close my eyes here. I'm going to open it there. I'm going to see Jesus face to face. You can't fear death. He has conquered death, hell, and the grave. Amen? So my title is, Are You a Christian? And I ask you that Christian, are you a Christian? Because coming to church doesn't make us a Christian. It's how we live our lives. And especially when we're looking at James, it's how we live our lives through trials. When we're being tested, when the pressure is on. Will we say, I praise the Lord? Or will we take the advice of Job's friends and his wife and say, curse God and die? No matter what, will we hold on to the Lord? No matter how difficult things may be, when you're going through this trial, through through this time of testing, we still hold on to the Lord. See, does your morality come from the word, wisdom from above, or does our morality come from the world? That's earthly, that's sensual that's demonic, that's man-based, that gives glory to, to, to Satan. It's because you can be a good person, be a very good person, but if it's not coming from the word, it does not glorify Christ. Where does our morality come from? Are you doing good because you've been taught to do good by a parent, Sunday school teacher? or are you doing good because the word tells us to do this? That our morality comes from the word. Now when we do good because of the word, Christ is glorified. Not the world. We all can do feeding schemes, but why are we doing feeding schemes? Where does our morality come from? We all can do good, but where is it coming from? Where is it rooted? Are we anchored in Christ? Because you can do a lot of good. Other religions do good as well, but that doesn't glorify Christ. Atheists also do good, but that doesn't glorify Christ. Maybe look at our lives. Take a good look at our lives. And if we have to make adjustments, then we have to make adjustments. But our heartbeat must be to glorify Christ. That no matter what we make of through, no matter what hiccups, what obstacles come, how we handle that obstacle is very important. How we go, how we handle that trial is very important. It's either Christ is going to be glorified or Satan is going to be glorified. And Satan does set traps for us to see whether we're going to get derailed by this. Are we really rooted in Christ? Are we Christians? No matter what, are we Christians? The early church and their persecution, it's, it's sobering. It's, it's, what they went through to say that I'm a Christian, they paid the ultimate price. But we that are confident in our salvation must remain meek because of Christ's finished work on the cross we that are confident in our salvation, you know that you are saved. You know that you are saved. I hope you know that you are saved. In your heart of heart, I hope you know that you are saved. That today if you're leaving church and you meet with an accident or whatever the case may be and you lose your life, I hope you know that you are saved, that you are confident. Or if you hear I met with an accident, I think you know that I am saved. I must know that you are saved. We have confidence in each other. I might miss you. You might miss me, but we'll see each other again. I can say the confidence because I must know that you are saved. You have salvation. I'll miss you. Okay, fine. You'll miss me, but we'll see each other again. You must have that confidence, that confidence, that objectivity, that subjectivity. You know, sometimes when you go to funerals, pastors way, we have to speak lies, man. This person, we know, we know But now the family is crying, we must say, hey, we're all gonna see each other again. But we know. Please don't make me a liar, (laughs) funeral. With confidence I must say, I saw him every Sunday, I saw him every Sunday at church, faithful to the Lord. I know I'll see this person again. Don't make me a I'm gonna come like, there at your funeral what I'm gonna say. I'll just say, Hey. He was good, she was good, they helped. Let's take a leaf from their book. That's not a Christian sermon, that that's not even a Christian funeral. We that are confident in our salvation must remain meek because of Christ's finished work on the cross. Amen. Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent your son and died on the cross for us. All of us, God was destined for hell. All of us were destined to spend an eternity without you, but you made a way for us. You sent your son to redeem us, to reconcile us, to sanctify us, to justify us, to bring us back to the father. We are so grateful for the salvation that we have in you. We are eternally grateful. Today, O God, as we live our lives, may we live our lives for Jesus Christ, that he died for us. May we live for him. And in our trials that we go through, may we always have wisdom from above to bring glory to Jesus Christ in everything and how we conduct our lives. May we have wisdom from above to conduct our lives the right way, to bring glory to Jesus Christ. May we always stand on the confession of our faith. May we always stand on the word of God. Thank you, O Father, that every day we are being washed by your word, that every day we become a little bit more like your son, Jesus Christ. We are forever grateful. We can't wait to see him, see you face to face. We long for that day. We thank you that you have conquered death, hell, and the grave. We are not afraid of death. We are not afraid of dying. We know our days are numbered and we long to see your face. But until that day, O God, may we be an example to the rest of the world. May we be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. May people see Christ inside of us. And may you draw all men unto yourself. We pray this with much thanksgiving. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast, Calvary with Caleb Suku. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, please be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications. You're welcome to rate, review, or comment below. Until next week, let Christ be seated in our hearts. God bless you.